Welcome back to an episode of A Slice of Beef. Uh, we're doing things a little bit differently today because of COVID. I will have my guest on, Steve Roadhouse, in a matter of seconds. So I'm going to call him. That'll be fun. And then uh, this is also presented by the lovely folks at Grammar's Home Baking. Happy to help you out on Saturdays still because the Old Kona Farmer's Market is still open. So aisle seven of the Old Strathcona Farmer's Market. Check it out. And also, Stony Creaser. Um, go check out his YouTube page. He's the guy who is responsible for the Slice of Beef theme song. And I really appreciate him. And if you guys could go check him out, that would be amazing. Because he's a dude super talented. So, let's give Steve a call. I'm doing good. How are you doing? Not too bad. Good. Good. Well, thanks. Uh, that was a good time for you? That was perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Well, I gotta th say thanks for your time here. This is a real honor that I get to interview you. Oh, dude, it's my honor. I'm stoked that you wanted to be here. I'm with this. Oh, yeah, we've been going through people and just like, I want to ask Steve, but I don't know if he's got time. And now's the perfect time. Heck <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah for sure. uh, so, how have you been doing during uh, the lockdown? Oh, it's been, it's been kind of crazy. Um, are, are we on right now? Is this, is this part of the podcast? Yes, it is. Sorry. <laughs> I should have told you. Okay. Yeah. We're just getting yeah, right no, into okay. it. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I was wondering how camps are holding off with this thing. So good to hear that you guys yeah. are bringing some folks back. Yeah, oh, yeah. So, I mean, we still have to figure out exactly what the details are. But the details that we're given today seem like, yeah, we're going to be able to afford to have kind of the whole team come back, I think. Um, we should know more by tomorrow. So, yeah, that'll be, that'll be really good. And then we're just kind of discussing ideas in the, a meeting this morning about how can we be kind of useful at camp and we're kind of tossing around of, of different ways we can do that. So hopefully we can bring those to fruition in the next week or so. Right on. So yeah. let's just pretend that they get a vaccine going and everything goes back to normal June 1st. What does uh, yeah. Summer Camp 100 look like for Gull Lake? Well... So, yeah, we're scheduled to have our big 100th anniversary on June 13th. So we got greenlit on June 1st. I think we'd still have to postpone 100th to next year, which is fine. That's not the end of the world. Um, I haven't made an official decision on that yet, but I will in the next two weeks because it, it takes a lot of lead time to get that, that event going. Yeah. But as for summer camp, my staff and I had our virtual meeting last week. And we decided that we can go from shutdown to running camp in two weeks. As long as we get all our work done kind of now. So we're going through like planning process and entry process and all that right now. So that if we do get a green light, whether that's June 1st or June 15th or July 1st or August 1st, we can have camp running uh, within two weeks of that. 
people. So we're hoping that we can still salvage some, some type of a camp season this year, but uh, I have a feeling it probably won't be our normal 10-week schedule. Yeah, that's absolutely bizarre. I never thought in my lifetime that we'd ever look at camp getting shut down. I know, hey? Totally crazy. This is a weird thing. Um, our priority for the summer is to run the LTE program, um, like our, our leadership program, because because it's a three-year program, we really want the students coming into year one to get that experience so that next year and the year after, they can continue on as normal. So the big thing for us is, is being able to run our leadership program which takes a week, and so that's kind of our minimum. As long as we can run at least one week of camp, will be somewhat happy. If we can run more than that, it's just bonus. Right on, yeah. So would you try to get the kids out on their out trips? For Hard to say. Again, it depends. If we can if we can do it, then we will. Um, but it's, out trips become a big scheduling nightmare as this gets condensed. So we'll have to see. Um, we switched the, the first year trip to a canoe trip uh, this past year, which is awesome. But then we had a crazy thing happen. So normally we only try and take 25 students into level one, but we've had 46 apply so far for this year, which is crazy. So we're actually looking at splitting uh, the first-year students into two groups, which adds uh, a bit of a logistical nightmare for out trips and things like that. That's absolutely bonkers. Sorry, um, for yeah. anyone that doesn't know what LTD is, what is it? Yeah. Yeah, great, great point. So um, most camps have some sort of a leadership uh, training or development program. Ours is called LT, which stands for Leadership Training and Discipleship. Uh, it's a three-year program. And uh, the one thing that sets ours apart, maybe a little bit special, is that it, it really isn't um, a dishwashing program. It's, it's really, it really tries to be a, a leadership uh, training discipleship program. So the students, they do their practicums um, where they get to help lead, so they're either they're paired with a staff, and they do whatever the staff does, uh, tabulating or being on the beach or helping with games or whatever. But a high emphasis of the program is pouring into the students themselves. So they get a full week of training that's just for them, and they do an out trip. So the first-year students do a five-day canoe trip. Second-year students do a five-day backpacking trip. And third-year students do a four-day uh, inner-city experience with the mustard seed in Edmonton. It's, it's pretty intense, and then there's a year-round component as well. There's three weekend retreats and uh, a mentorship, and then uh, uh, a written project they have to do as well. Yeah, uh, I did the program, and I don't know if it's changed since I've finished up, but man, that was a sweet program you ran. Are you still considering that probably one of the best in the country? Yeah, that is our goal. I mean, it's, it's hard to quantify that and measure, um, but you know, every year we try and get it to be a little bit better. And yeah, kind of the, the the gold star that we're trying to achieve is to be the best high school leadership program in the country. Again, that's hard to qualify. I'm not trying to be prideful by saying that. We just really want to shoot for shoot for the stars and uh, and see if we can reach them. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, you take great pride in trying to be the best with while trying to be humble at it too. So you've got a good mix oh, there. <laughs> yeah, the goal isn't to be the best so that somebody else is worse or that we're better than other people. The goal is really just can we keep pushing ourselves to put out a better, a better project or a better program or a better ministry or a better experience uh, for whoever, whether it's campers or leaders or donors or parents, whoever we're attracting. Yeah. So, what is like the thing that you're most proud about at camp right now? 
camp culture change since you started all those years back so uh, i've done 13 years now on full-time staff and i i think in some ways it's changed and in other ways it's the same it's a lot harder to get on staff now i mean i remember so my first summer as program manager was 2007 and uh we would we would have hired anybody like that's a, that's a it's facetious, but it, it's pretty close. Um, like I went into my first summer, I think I only had like two and a half male cabin leaders uh, because that's all the people we could find. So we were, we were just desperate. Um, and now it's actually really difficult to get up. We hire about 50 staff and we have way more applicants than that. So um, now you have to really want to be uh, on staff at camp and you have to have kind of the right skills and the right heart to get a spot. There's no just there's no guarantee just because you've been there before. Yeah. That's impressive that like you might not even bring someone back on that's already had a couple years experience. Yeah, yeah. If if someone is having a, a, a you know, a bit of a slump in their in their personal lives and not saying it, we might and it's not like a punishment, it's not saying like you know, you don't you're not good enough. It's just saying, hey you know, you might need to take a take a time to, to reset and, and recommit where you're at and, and go from there. Or, you know, sometimes, and I'm sure you've seen this kind of with all your camp experience as well, sometimes people, camp can become a bit of a, a safety net or a crutch where, you know, they're not really sure what they want to do, and camp seems like the easy option, so it's like, oh, I'll just go back to camp for a summer. And sometimes we have to, you know, have conversations and say, you know what, we love you, we think you're just a fantastic person. But, you know, for your growth and your health, um, camp might not be the best place for you. And you should go and try something else for a summer. Hmm. How do those conversations usually go? Like, like just from their perspective, I assume it's a really tough conversation for you. Yeah, I mean, it, it, every, every conversation like that is different. Um, whenever I have conversations like that, and it's, it's more a program manager that has them now, but if I'm talking with somebody, if they've approached me directly, um, I usually really try and play up, not play up, but, but emphasize the, the good and the strengths that they've brought uh, to the camp. Uh, so if someone's really, you know, been passionate for several, it's like, hey, look, let's, let's really honor uh, the past and, and the work you've done in. But then also try and be pre-directed and say, look, this is what I see. I could be wrong, um, but I, I think you're maybe, you know, 
not sure what you want to do, and camp seems like the easy place. And camp, you know, just a quick thought here, camp is awesome. I love summer camp. I think it's amazing. I love being on staff. I know that it's a really, really great experience a lot of the time. Camp can also absolutely chew you up and spit you up. It can be the worst place. It's so intense. It's so busy. It can be claustrophobic. If you're not, you know, able to thread the needle and be in kind of exactly the right place physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, it'll it'll kill you. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you you been around enough. It's like man, if you're if, if it's if you're on and it's 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 either the exact right fit and it's so good and it's the best thing ever, or man, you're gonna come out of it, you know, just with scars and road rash all over the place because it's going to beat you up. Um, so I, I usually try and say stuff like that. And then most of the time, you know, I give people a chance to, you know, go away with that, sit with it, see what you think. And most of the time people are like, yeah, you know what? You're right. I'm not doing this because I've got something to bring or I want something from camp. I'm doing it because it's easy. And then other times I'll have people come back and be like, you know, oh, you're wrong. I'm... You know, I appreciate the conversation, but here's what I want from this. And, you know, they'll kind of pitch a new vision, and then away we go. It's, it's great. Huh. That's awesome that you can actually, you know, ha- be mature enough to have those conversations. Because I know a lot of camps are just like, yeah, let's just, you know, it's like your early days where it just, I just need whoever can show up, and then it ends up being way more of a nightmare than anything else. Yeah, that's been a huge <laughs> that's been a huge learning curve for me is realizing that it's actually better to go in with not enough staff than to go in with the wrong staff. I'd rather be short staff than to have someone that's going to be really high maintenance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, which I mean, I'm sure in your experience you see that too, where it's like, man, yeah, I'm glad I've got four people on my team, but honestly, I'd rather do it myself because these guys are just dead weight. Yeah, great. I've got got 15 kids and four useless people. Great. Yeah, exactly, right? (laughs) Totally, yeah. Yeah. I I think anybody that's been around camping, even most businesses, I mean, know that, yeah. Some some people it's, uh, it'd be a lot easier without them. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that's a tough learn, and you only you only learn that by suffering, right? Like you only learn that by by seeing it and and suffering through it and realizing, man, I'm not going to do that again. Yeah. So it's all part of the learning. Yeah, and I've definitely been on both sides of the fence where it's like, oh man, was I ever dead weight? I'm so sorry yeah. for that. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny because I mean I think that's what I really appreciate you about you is you have that humility. And you can go back and be like, man, I was in the right headspace there. I think that's the crazy thing is, like, for myself, I don't realize that till like, a decade later where I'm like, oh, I was the problem on that team. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, like, a really kind of, you know, cringy moment where I'm like, oh, that sucks. Yeah. Being that guy. <laughs> you almost want to go back and be like, hey, I know I ruined those relationships years ago, but, like, can I please ask for a little forgiveness here? Totally. Well, and, and I know that I've had to do that for sure, where it's like, oh boy, I need to go back and I need to send some emails and be like, look, I can see now what I couldn't see then, and I need to apologize, and uh, hey, I don't know if we can make this right, or if I can at least just say, I'm sorry, and we'll move on from there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, what, what's been the hardest thing about uh, camp for you? Um... There's a few things that are difficult. Um, from a job,
perspective, it's probably uh, human resource stuff. Like, man, I, like I said, I've been here for 13 years. I'm only 37 now, so I was young when I started. I was like 24 years old. And yeah, like, and just, I didn't know nothing about nothing. Uh, so I've, I've had to learn on the go. And a lot of that learning, I think, you know, has come at the expense of other people as well because I've been put in, I've been in situations where I didn't know how to manage or how to lead properly. So I either had expectations that I wasn't able to communicate well or I just didn't, I just it wasn't good at my job. I, I didn't have enough reps at it. The hardest thing is learning yeah, when to fire somebody, how to fire somebody, how to hire better people and like better, not that, not that some people are better as humans than others, but like a, a better fit for the job, know what I'm looking for. Um, so I think that's been really challenging. And then having to navigate through like uh, tough political situations. So like a couple years ago, we had like the Canada Summer Jobs Grants where uh, they added an attestation and there was kind of mention of, of you know, women's reproductive rights. So trying to navigate, you know, how to, how to deal with that, especially because we're a church camp. So, you know, we kind of represent, you know, 35 churches who have different views on stuff uh, that aren't unified in, in everything, and, and we're kind of stuck in the middle. So uh, those are the, the biggest challenges, I think. Yeah. And personally, it's um, trying to find a, a work-life balance because it can be it can be all-consuming, especially, you know, when you absolutely love camp and it's, it's both ministry and job and passion and hobby and friendships and, and all that. So, yeah. yeah. That's got to be intense because you have five kids? Four. Four yeah. kids. Four plus me. So Sarah's got five kids. I just have four. <laughs> yeah. Oh, she's just a trooper, eh? Oh, she's the best. Though. Yeah. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. How did you meet her? Uh, so we met in high school, uh, but we met on a field trip, actually. So I went to high school in Red Deer, had about 2,000 kids, and uh, I was super involved in drama. Like, drama was, was life. And uh, our high school got to do a field trip to Broadway on New York. So I'm not actually just go see plays and whatnot. So Sarah and I were both on that field trip. So we met on the bus on the way to the airport to go to New York. And then our first date was, was Les Mis on Broadway, which is uh, pretty extraordinary. So I was 17. She was 16 when we met. And then we were married four years later. That's insane. It's insane. It's insane. It's crazy. I can't believe it worked out. I'm so glad it worked out, but it is insane. Now that I've got a 13-year-old, I'm like, don't do that. <laughs> that <was> crazy. <laughs> yeah. I'm so glad it works for us. It, it just works. So. Yeah. <laughs> so. Oh, man. That, yeah, that's absolutely insane. I'm trying to think about that for myself. Like, yeesh. No. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I know. It's just crazy. Yeah, so I was married by 21. I had a kid at 23. And then uh, got my dream job at 24, and uh, here we are. So it all happened pretty fast. Right on, man. That's, that's awesome to hear that you managed to get all of that kind of out of the way that early on, and now just like... Oh, I know. I just kind of leapt into it, though. It's not, it wasn't, uh, wasn't strategic planning or, or any skills that I brought to it. It's kind of... That went to my lap nicely. Yeah. And I seized it. That, that's the one thing I will say that I did. I, I saw the opportunity, and I took it. So I'll take credit for that. So how did you uh, how did you get involved with Bell Lake? So I never wanted to go to camp as a kid. I um, so my parents became Christians when I was about four years old uh, in Red Deer and started going to First Baptist Church in Red Deer. So and that was uh, 
part of the Baptist Union of, of Western Canada, which was part of the churches that supported uh, Gull Lake Baptist Camp. Not right now. My best friend, he was a camp kid, so he went to camp all the time. He did LTD. He was like full in, just loved. Like I wouldn't see him at all in the summer because he was there every, just like you when you were in LTD. It was like that's all they did was be at camp. And when he was, so when I was 15, he finally convinced me to go to camp. So going into grade 10, and I went to senior teens and just absolutely fell in love with it. I, I mean, I had an incredible God encounter. Uh, which changed everything, and I was like, wow, I can't believe I've been missing this. Um, so then, but at that time, I was too old to do the, the leadership program, the LC program, uh, so I did two summers of, of being a camper, and then I was on summer staff, and uh, that was it. And then my wife and I became, uh, she was the youth pastor, and I was her lackey, so we spoke for a summer and volunteered a bit, and then uh, the director before me recruited me to come in and be on staff, which is great. Okay. So, do you, was, like, camping a decent spot when you when it was left to you, or was it kind of a bomb trip? No, so the director before me did a great job. So, um, like, Go Lake was in real danger of shutting down in the late 90s and into the 2000s, and then they started a big capital campaign in 2004, Um so then when I started in January of 2007, right at the beginning, they were in construction mode of the capital campaign. So when I came in, there was a whole bunch of new life being breathed into it. And I started as program manager. So I had, I had three years as program manager to kind of break in the new facilities and, and figure out how they're going to use, be used. And then it was really my job after that to expand the camp from about 70 kids per week up to 150 kids per week. Uh, so that, that became my job. And you, you guys are like hitting that goal pretty consistently now, eh? Yeah, we're 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 not completely full, but we're full on most of our camps, and um, we're we're just about at capacity through the whole summer. That's insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, yeah, we had over eleven hundred kids last summer, which is just awesome. Yeah, man. If, if we get to, if we were going to run camp this summer, which hopefully we still will be, uh, but if we if we was going to plan as it was. We'd probably hit twelve hundred this year, and that would be like very close to full. Like you might have a few kids drop out like the week of. Yeah. You you never at a hundred hundred percent, but it would be very close to it. You hit like that ninety eight percent. That's that's yeah, insane. Exactly. I love that. Yeah. Um. So, um, how have you been killing time during uh, pandemic mode? Yeah. So it's been busier than I thought. So I was actually supposed to be on holidays last week because it's kids' spring break, and uh, whenever the kids get a break in school, I try and take my time off then because summers are busy. So I was supposed to be um, on a week off. We're supposed to go out to skiing because that's our that's our family activity, and then everything blew up, of course, and and didn't happen. So I've actually been doing a lot, uh, writing communications and being on the phone a lot, and trying to keep up with all the the updates from the government, and then managing the staff team. So, um, yeah, staying busy has, has not been a I'm, I'm actually kind of fantasizing about um, being able to go into lockdown a little bit where it's not quite so busy, but uh, not yet. Uh, maybe by the end of this week, things will settle down a bit. The, the odd thing is, we have to be fully planned and prepared for a whole bunch of different contingencies. So I'm essentially setting up a bunch of different plans, 
knowing that almost all, or maybe even all of them, won't actually be useful, uh, which is an odd thing. Yeah, you're basically preparing for war, but yeah, no real enemy until yeah. it actually comes up. Exactly. We're prepared for a total unknown, and the variables change every day. So, like, our joke is we make a plan every morning and then change it every afternoon, and that's, that's how it is. So, I'm, I, I, had a, I have a coach uh, that is just awesome, and I had a call with her this morning, and I need to kind of reset a little bit and say, okay, what are the things that only I can do, and I need to kind of map my day out there, and then I have a few other projects that I can start working on that will be positive, um, but then I also need to like make sure I'm scheduling time in, you know, to be resting and to be with my family and, and all that while they're off school and at home and that sort of stuff. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, no, that's, yeah. It, it felt like I was going to get like a two, three week break and honestly I've been working yeah. harder at this than anything else. I know, it's weird, right? Because yeah. it's so unknown. It's just, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, and then you throw the stress of it all in. Because that's supposed to be in Alberta this week. It was supposed to be my spring break, and now I was just like, no, nah, maybe just stay here in Manitoba for a couple of weeks, and we'll figure it out from there. Like, totally. Well, and I hear you. It, it's the stress. Like, I was telling, we had a staffing, virtual staffing today, and I was saying, I feel like I'm both working all the time, because it's always on my mind, and I feel like I'm not working at all, because I'm not making any forward movement on anything. So it's a really weird it's a really weird phase to be in. Yeah, yeah. It just feels like you're running on a, like I feel like I'm running on a treadmill. I'm exhausted, but I don't know what I'm doing. Totally. And there's nothing to show for it either. Yeah. It's just like, man, I feel like I'm putting out a lot of energy and there's nothing coming back here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I've, to, I've started just, because Manitoba's still lawless where we just do whatever you want. So I've been going on <laughs> lots of hikes, but yeah. yeah. Not doing too much. Yeah, no, it's true. I, uh, we've closed down the office so basically one person can be in the office at a time is, is what we've done so I get to be in the office this morning and, and today for a bit uh, but I'm also working at home and it's it's kind of weird and then once a week we do our I do my family's grocery shopping and that's like the most stressful part of my week I'm like nobody touch me nobody look at me I don't want to do anything and it's like it's crazy right because I mean for myself I'm not in a high risk for this this illness. Like I, if I get sick, it, it, the odds of it being that bad for me or even for my immediate family that I'm in contact with is it, pretty small. But I have such a fear of being a vector of it. Like the last thing I want to do is is help you know it continue and it spread. I want to be doing my part and and being a good soldier in this all. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like I had a guy last week when I was grocery shopping, just like right on my back in the line. I'm like, dude, can you just yeah. please? Like, Back off, man. Yeah. You're not understand the situation we're in. Yeah. There's red X's right there. They're six feet apart. Please just follow them. Yeah. It's on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's no more difficult for you to be three feet further back than you currently are. Like, like why not do it that way? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. People uh, are the worst. <laughs> they are, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's like kind of an unwritten slash written rule. Just please follow them for once. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's, just easy. it's not even that inconvenient. It's just fine. Yeah. Well, and I know people have lost it on me because I go hiking. I'm just like, I'm, a, I'm a, basically with one other person. It's fine. I probably won't kill anyone. Exactly. Oh, 
Vikings fine. Like, yeah. And I mean, in Alberta, they're starting to change it a little bit. I don't fully understand the rules. But, um, yeah, I, I think the key is stay away from each other. Oh, and if you're in a park, like, know how to poop, right? Like, all the bathrooms are really close. There's a lot of towns. You get to, like, poop on the trail. It doesn't work that way. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. 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 Same time. Speaking of hikes, what's the coolest thing that you've ever done? Like hiking wise, or just the coolest thing I've ever done in my entire life? No, oh, let's do both. Let's uh, let's do the coolest thing you've ever done in your life first. Okay, the coolest thing. Oh man. Um. Oh, okay. So my favorite thing that I've ever done in my life was the first time I got to go surfing. Um, so this is at Tofino on Vancouver Island, and I didn't know anything about anything. We rented boards. We were, it was when my wife and I were, were pretty newlyweds. I think probably within the first year of our, of our wedding. And we went with some friends, and I think maybe one of our group had surfed before a little bit. This was kind of a bit before the internet. You couldn't just like YouTube everything. Uh, we, we were so poor that we rented one wet, wetsuit one surfboard between the two of us and we're just going to kind of share back and forth. So we're at the theater, we don't know what we're doing and I'm just trying time and time again to tr- catch a wave and catch a wave and catch a wave. It's not working. And then I finally caught a wave and I still can remember it to this moment. Like even in this conversation, I'm like, oh, I remember that feeling of the wave picking me up on the board and me riding it. It was like, the world just stopped. It was the most amazing experience probably the most like addictive thing I've ever had being in Alberta going surfing is not an option so anytime I'm able to go surf I try and do it which is like maybe every like third or fourth year so I'm just absolutely terrible at it just terrible <laughs> but I feel like like I feel like a heroin junkie I'm like I'm like <laughs> trying to go back to that, that that first high of that first wave that I caught but I'm totally hooked um, and I just love it even though I'm like seriously just trash at it I can't catch a wave and to save my life but I, I keep trying yeah yeah no I went down yeah. in Australia and man like I, I get that feeling of the world yeah. stopped for you and I just like this is awesome it is awesome there's nothing like it it is the most oh, just weightless and it's powerful and it's exciting and it's calm and it's everything all at once just love it yeah yeah it's like hitting like fresh powder on a good day when the hill is totally empty Okay, and then like coolest hiker or something like that that you've done that you've like. Yeah, so I go to a place. It's just inside the boundary. It's called Pinto Lake, and I just love it. It's it's my one spot. I try and go every year at least once. It's kind of a brutal hike to get into. It's like two and a half. Well, depending on who you're going with, anywhere between an hour and a half and two and a half hours of just straight switchbacks to climb up, and then it breaks into this just gorgeous meadow. Uh, kind of high up, little plateau, surrounded by peaks. Hardly anybody goes there because it's kind of a, a brutal spot, and it's there actually isn't even a lake there. You have to kind of walk further to get to the lake, and it's, it's my absolute favorite spot. Just kind of your peace and quiet from the entire world. Yeah, I try and go at least once a year, just on a solo trip to shut down and kind of revision and pray and figure out, you know, what are my priorities, where am I at, um, what do I need to work on. 
that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, okay, so you did marathon back in 2015, right? Yeah. 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 I think that's right. 2015. Yeah. Right on. <laughs> um, how did that go? And what was the training like for that? Like. Oh man. Uh, it, so. Good question. <laughs> I know, <laughs> it was a lot. Like training is a lot. You have to run so many kilometers every week to do it. Um. But it was it was good. Like it was a, it was a healthy discipline. Um, the run was at the very beginning of November, so like through the summer, I was running quite a lot, um, and I really had to be disciplined about it. So I wasn't running probably as much as as I should, as my training regime was suggesting that I should be running. But I was I was running you know at least three times a week, and through the summer, and for some of them it'd probably be like. 16 or 20 kilometers for one of the runs. So, pretty decent amount of time. And I remember one run in particular that was the worst. It was in August, and it was a hot day. It's probably like 26, 27 degrees, sunny, just gorgeous, perfect, perfect camp day, perfect beach day. I'm running, and it was a long run. And the road, I, I had to run on pavement because if I ran on ground, my ankles swelled up and it wasn't good. So I had, there's this one little stitch of pavement that I could run on. I just run back and forth, back and forth. And right next to this patch, they were spraying manure on the field. So it's like 26 degrees, they're spraying chicken manure everywhere, and I'm just running back and forth beside the tractor and just spraying, and I'm like, this, this is real suffering right now, <laughs> this, is, this is dedication. So uh, that's kind of my most vivid memory of, of Marathon Santa. Jeez, yeah, that's, uh, man, that tra- that uh, farmer just must have thought you were the most out of your mind person in the oh, world. I'm sure he's like, what's this moron doing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, doesn't he see yeah. him spraying chicken manure here? Like, come on, buddy. <laughs> yeah, it was it was rough. Would you do it again? Yeah. Oh yeah, uh, I swore that I would never do it again, but now it's been four years, so I'm uh, I'm starting to get the thought. If this quarantine thing or this isolation thing really picks up, um, and I do get some time, once it melts, I think I'll start running in earnest. One of my goals is to run a 10k in under 40 minutes, so I think I'll focus on that. I think that's my goal for this <laughs> for this time of isolation. That's a big record. Like, that's actually really impressive that you're going for that one. Yeah. Well, well I haven't done anything yet. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think that's achievable. When I was young and, like, hated running and didn't run at all, I ran, like, a 10K in, like, just under 43 minutes. I'm like, okay, I know my body can do it. I just need to put in the work and, and do training. So that, it seems a bit daunting right now, but it feels like an achievable amount of, of challenge. Yeah, yeah. Like, I did... 6k i was smoking at the time and i think i managed to do it in 36 minutes so i think you got that yeah, yeah. totally yeah it's doable yeah yeah a little practice little uh little body care awesome. yeah yeah exactly and that's the thing is like if i was taking good care of my body at that point i probably could have done it in less than 30 but, oh totally right yeah yeah that last 2k was just the nail in the coffin <laughs> yeah got, yeah got into the bus and it just like lied down like okay well if yeah. this is it this is it yeah so like i know you're a fan of the oilers and uh, and the seahawks what's been like your favorite moment to ever watch 
and in sports? Mm, great question. So, when the Seahawks won the Super Bowl a few years ago, I would find myself like three days later brushing my teeth, and I'm just grinning from ear to ear. <laughs> and I was like, why am I so happy right now? And it took me, I was like, oh yeah, it's because the Seahawks won the Super Bowl. It was like, the sports don't matter. Like, they, just, they don't matter. So it was so weird to be like, man, this matters to me way more than it should, and way more than I thought it would. Like, I was genuinely super happy <laughs> for several days afterwards because they won. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. My favorite moment of all time, and I think it was 2007 in the playoffs, like the 2006 NFL season, and the Seahawks are playing the Dallas Cowboys, who I hate, like everybody should hate, um, in the playoffs. And it comes down to like the final seconds. And the Cowboys, I think, either need to kick a field goal either to win or to tie. Something crazy, right? At the end of the game. And Tony Romo, who is the quarterback, um, took all this season. So, but he was still the holder for the ball for the, the kick. So, anyways, they, they snap it. He drops the ball so they don't get to take the field goal. And I'm like, yeah, that's what But then he picks up the ball, and he starts running. And he almost makes it to the goal line, but then he gets tackled, and it's just this glorious. <laughs> that was like the best. It was like, yeah, best 15 seconds of watching football. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, just those crazy moments of sports. You're just like, you can't believe it yeah. just happened. It's just so good. And you got to watch, you know, probably like, out of 10 games, maybe two of them will be like, wow, I'm so glad I watched that. And maybe one of them will have like, wow, that was an incredible moment. Yeah, where you can go yeah. back 15, 20 years later and you're just like, yeah, that was one I watched. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. Um, so you you went to school to be an actor, right? You did a year yeah, or two at right. Red um, How is that? And like, are you still kind of acting or is that kind of like a passion you've kind of put to the side for the time being? Uh, it was it was awesome. Um, so like all through high school, theater was really my, my big thing. Like I, I think I graduated grade twelve with fifty five drama credits. Like I I did every possible drama thing, extracurricular, every class, everything. I was I was it. Like I started a drama club. Like every day at lunch, we were doing improv. Like it was just eat, sleep, breathe theater. It was just so much fun and just enjoyable. Then uh, I did that in college. And it was great. I, I learned a ton, and it was it was awesome, and, and made great friends, and I really I think got, got better at it. And then I applied to move on to the next level, or auditioned uh, to get to the U of A, where they only accepted twelve students uh, a year. And I got a call back, which was exciting. So I thought, great, this is this could be it. And I didn't make it in, which was just crushing because that was really my my life plan was to do that. So I didn't really know what to do after that. Ended up being a great thing because um, being an actor is, I mean, if, if you're the 0.01% that, you know, makes it, makes it, that's awesome. But for everybody else, it's, it's a grind, right? It's, it's living out of suitcases, doing theater, you know, from Hamilton to Vancouver to Toronto to Edmonton, wherever. Um, so instead, I went and got married and started having kids and had a great time. So I realized that acting is an awesome hobby. And a pretty terrible job, and I was glad to, uh, yeah, to get out of it when I did. But I still got a hanker. Like, I would love to do it again. Uh, once my kids are a bit older and I kind of guilt free, I uh, have more evenings 
I'll set aside for rehearsals and whatnot. I'd love to get back into it. So you'd uh, go do like local community theater down in Medgar uh, or uh, Lacombe there? Yeah, so I have a friend who has a, a theater company in Medgar, and he bugs me every now and again to, to do an audition for him. Um, so I, I would love to get on that. Uh, hopefully in the next couple of years, I would think. Yeah. Yeah, and like the one, one thing I remember you about you at CAP is during senior teens is you would turn it on. What was the character that you would that you brought back from the dead several times? Oh yeah, so the, the David Webb character who's just this obnoxious murder mystery uh, kind of villain slash personality who basically like <laughs> my my description for him I think was uh, Tom Cruise meets Jim Carrey on cocaine. It was, uh, that, was, that was my, my description for him. So he had this bigger than life, obnoxious, very loud, had a crazy laugh. Yeah, kind of guy. Uh, no, that was always one of my favorite things. Like, I, when you brought him back that first time, I was like, oh man, this is awesome. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. like, you, you've obviously got a knack for it and works well to have him. Right, especially when you get to be somebody that's totally different than yourself. Like, oh, I could never ever say this or do this as myself. But if you put on a character, you can, you know, kind of get away with a lot of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um. So, um. What? Uh. Sorry. <laughs> uh. Yeah. What? Uh. What? What? What would you recommend as like a book, movie, uh, album to listen to? Like, let's get these up. Let's find out what you're doing. When you have a free oh, moment or two. <laughs> nice. Um, man, okay, I, I just watched Marriage Story two nights ago um, with Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson and Laura Dern, and it's fantastic. It's on Netflix. Man, Adam Driver, when he first came on as Kylo Ren, I was like, ah, I don't know about this guy. I don't know. And he's kind of grown on me, and every time I see him in a movie other than Star Wars, he is phenomenal. So his acting in in Marriage Story is so on point. He's he's wonderful, just, just fantastic. Um, album I'm listening to is uh, Half Moon Run, their newest album. We got it on vinyl. I got their record player for birthday last year, so we have it on vinyl, and it's phenomenal. So uh, highly recommend that. Okay, uh, is that your is that just your vinyl thing that you've taken from her, or is that uh, the whole family's using that one? Oh yeah, no, the whole family. Oh yeah, so like, so we got, I got her record player, and she's got her record, but then she she bought this one, so this was her album that she picked. And uh, and our our eight year old Fiona, she's she's kind of our resident DJ in the house, and this is her favorite album of all. It's it's legit good. So Canadian band, and they're just fantastic. So yeah, highly recommend that one. And then books I'm reading. I'm actually having a hard time finding a book right now. I read a ton of nonfiction, and I'm I'm trying to get into some fiction stuff lately. But uh, the book I recommend the most that I love is Tools of Titans by Tim Ferriss. So he's got a podcast, and he's basically taking the best book bits and uh, putting a book called Tools of Titans. And it's huge. It's like oh, 600, 700 pages. Uh, but I highly recommend it. It's got just so much gold in it. Right on. Um, okay, so you take your kids on like 
these individual vacations. So you and Sarah take them out wherever they choose. Oh, yeah. So what was the inspiration for that? Okay, so this is the best thing. So this is like my parenting hack. It's like the one good thing that I've ever done. Like, this is it. So we do what's called a 12-year-old trip with our kids. And the inspiration, basically, this is from Sarah and I, like, six years ago, seven years ago. We're trying to, like, we're looking at our budget and trying to figure out how do we want to spend our money, what do we want to prioritize, what's, what's important to us. And, you know, to be a bit cliche, it's, it's about making memories and having experiences, not about stuff. But, okay, how do we do this and how do we do this? Like, how do we, what do we want to do for family vacations? How does this work? Because we've got four kids, there's six of us. The first two on vacation is expensive. Oh, yeah. Um, if we want to, like, try and fly anywhere, like, it just adds up very fast. But okay, what if we took each kid on kind of their own thing once? So they each got to do it. And basically what this evolved into, and we tried to make it the most extravagant thing we possibly could. So what we do is we put aside $1,000 every year, and when they turn 11, they get $4,000, and they get four days to do whatever they want with Sarah, myself, and that. So it's just the three of us, and they plan everything. So they got to plan where we're going. They've got a budget. They've got a hard budget of four thousand dollars. So they got to, if we're flying somewhere, it's, it's airport parking, it's plane tickets, it's hotels, it's food, it's whatever we're gonna do, and it's it's the best thing we do. So um, we just like right before this whole COVID nineteen crazy happened. We actually got to go to L.A. with our son, Lake. His number one thing that he wanted to do was go to uh, Harry Potter World at Universal Studios. So we hit up Universal Studios. We got to go to Disneyland and had a great time. When my oldest was 12, we went to New York and saw a Broadway show and had tacos and just had a fantastic time. Her number one thing was going to uh, the American Museum of Natural History. So uh, the, the museum that's in uh, United Museum. Right so we had a, a great time. Yeah. So are they all? Yeah, so anybody listening, highly, highly, highly recommend doing that. You can set the timer however you want, but I recommend doing a, a specific amount of money, a specific amount of time, and then it's up to the kid to to navigate the budget and and work it all out. It's a it's a really great bonding experience and learning experience. Yeah. So did it just happen to work out that all four kids are spread out by four years? No, so we actually, they're not actually four years apart. They're, they're close to three years apart. So on the year that they, we actually have to do it, we have to put in a little bit more than just a thousand bucks. It doesn't work out that it's exactly a thousand bucks a year for the family budget, but uh, we make it work. All right, so that's your piece of advice as a father. Just like go take your kids out on a cool trip. Exactly. Before they become punk teenagers, and, uh, yeah, so we want to wait till the oldest possible moment where they can appreciate it and remember it, and remember it well before they turn to punk teenagers. There you so, go. Yeah. Uh, we nailed it. Yep. Yeah, no, that's a perfect time because, like, I'm thinking, like, man, if I was 12, I would have loved whatever that is. And... Oh, totally, right? 12-year-olds are just so keen on life, so it, uh, it was perfect. Yeah, it's the perfect point of wholesome, but also still, like, I'm willing to do whatever. Totally, right? And, you know, they they can stay up late, they can travel well, um, you know, they can they can regulate their emotions pretty good and, and communicate. 
um, and they're just they're just delightful to be around. Yeah, right before hormones kick in, and then they're just like, oh, cool. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is who so you are sure. for the next five years. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, like for Sarah and I, we we nailed it. Like we get four really cool, unique trips that we can spend time one on one with with each of our kids. So it's Probably the best for us. We love it. Yeah. Um, okay, so what's your, what your one piece of advice as a husband? Um, I think it, like for me, so I, I don't know if this is general advice, this is just for me, it is to keep working on myself. Uh, to always... Um, you know, be humble and know that I'm probably wrong a lot of the time and that I can be better. So uh, to try not to get stuck in my ways, uh, but to look for ways that I can be um, kind of growing and just be just be a better person. Love it. Um, okay, and then what's your favorite thing to do at camp? Like if, let's just say you got to go be a kid at camp, let's just say this year. What'd be like yeah. the one thing you're like, yeah, that's the thing I'm gonna go do. Oh man, I love annihilation. Annihilation. <laughs> so for people that don't know, it's it's a classic mud game. So you got a, a tire on either end of a of a kind of a looped off area, and it's full contact. You gotta play on your knees, and man, I just I love annihilation. It's that's the best thing. And there's no there's nothing like it in my day to day life. There, I never get to play in the mud. I never get to go and like toss people around and get tossed around. I get to be super competitive. It's just weird. I get filthy. It's uh it's an epic experience. Yeah, that was uh that was one of the weirder ones at Camp for sure. Like I've tried to take it to the one I was up to here in Manitoba and it just Yeah. You guys just happen to have that right amount of mud to rock ratio where it hurts, but it's <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, because I mean so yeah there's Rocks are in the bottom of the mud, and that keeps you from being able to go too fast. You can't like concuss somebody because it, it hurts. Uh, but also, it doesn't hurt too bad that you're like, this isn't fun anymore. Uh, it's just right. Yeah. And you usually cut up your knees and your feet pretty good on it. So you just have awesome scars uh, and, and cuts the next few days to kind of show off to everybody. <laughs> yeah, I think my one of my first years playing that, I remember I heard. I think it was Colton Webb, Weber. Yeah, yeah just okay. bawling in the shower next to me, just because like of the scars. Two years ago, it was so bad. It was I, I retired after this. I got so much mud in my eyes that I I couldn't see, and that like so I actually had to be carted back up from the beach to my house. Like I literally couldn't see like at all, and I had to. Get, this was gross, but I had to get a Q-tip and like scrape the mud out from the inside of my eyelids because it was it was just caked in there so bad it was that was pretty stupid uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man that's amazing that like <laughs> there's certain oh, insurance liabilities that just you know they don't quite see there yeah <laughs> we've got a pretty good insurance umbrella yeah <laughs> Yeah, I mean that was one of my favorite things ever at camp. Was just yeah. 
know, I've tried to replicate it, but I just it's never the same. No, it's one of those weird culture pieces. It just I don't know, it just it just it just fits. And every camp has their own like super thing where it's like, man, this would be weird anywhere else, but for here it just fits. Yeah, absolutely. Like camp's one of those weird places where every camp is so different but so much the same. Totally. Yeah. They all have their slightly unique take on things and everybody plays like basically the same games with slight variations, things basically the same songs with slight variations. And uh yeah, it's it's just it's beautiful. Yeah, like that was one thing I found hardest when I went to a new camp was like the songs are all the same, but then there's those little verses that are different. You're like Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. You guys are wrong, yeah. but... <laughs> and then you, you get into it, and you totally go, like, with, like, the like, link version. It's like, oh, and then you're just kind of standing up, and your action's all wrong. It's like, oh, sorry, my bad. Yeah. <laughs> well, with uh, My Lighthouse, because you guys kind of do, like, this hoedown version, and... Yeah, I don't know where that came from, but, yeah, we do it. It's a big thing. Yeah, and then I I brought it out here, or they give us done out here, and I went to go hold down, and I was just like, "Oh, cool!" And I look like a moron. <laughs> yep, I know. Like every time I sing "Happy Birthday," I always do like a woo, like after like basically every line. Yeah, that's not a normal thing. That doesn't that doesn't fly at most birthday parties. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, just yeah, like it just a lot of memories still sit there. Like I found um my box of old notes and everything that I've had from Gull Lake and then a journal that I, or like the three different journals I had for each summer. Just going through all of that. And it's just those memories, man. There's some good oh, stuff in there. Good for you for keeping a journal for each summer. That's awesome. Yeah. It's, uh, it's an important thing because it's amazing how fast you forget. So like, in the moment, you're like, I will never, ever forget this conversation I just had with this person. And then like a week later, it's gone, right? Yeah journal so important oh yeah and especially during quarantine time it was like i, I had to go back and message some people for them, like do you remember that time and then it's like oh yeah that that was awesome actually oh that's so good good for you yeah oh man it's one thing i was like you guys hammered in so many good things that i didn't realize were actually really important to who i was hmm. and, anything stand out for you um well, journaling was a big thing, and just even like yeah. that was kind of one of those things I've kind of taken and I've really like gone back. I'm like, cool. Oh, I'm so glad I've grown up because that's some cringy stuff that I've written down there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Reading journals from when you're in high school is a it's a tough experience. <laughs> why was anyone friends with me at this point? I don't know why. <laughs> I can't be that. And then you line up your journal. With some pictures from the era, too, you're like, oh, boy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, yeah, because like, I've had all those times. So I was like, went through my Instagram, too, of around that timeline, too. I was like, ooh, I had that haircut, and that was the that was what we were going with. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm very glad that social media did not exist till well after I was done college. <laughs> oh, yeah. Man. There's some there's some good there's some gold in that. Yeah, oh, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I know I've done it to my friends where I'll go find an old photo for their birthday or whatever, and then it's just like, they'll hit me up with something. They're like, yeah, I'm well aware that I had a mullet at yep, one point. Yep. yep. <laughs> <laughs> Am I proud of it? No, but I do it again. Like, maybe. <laughs> it's hard to say. Hard to say. You don't want to change the past too much. Yeah. 
we gotta allow it. We gotta allow the uh, ass to happen again. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 Those character shaping moments. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. Well, we're running up to an hour here, so and I said I'd ask for just one hour of your time. Um. Are there any plugs you want to give out to yourself, camp, or anything like that? You know, no, it's, it's, this has been really fun. I guess great job. Good, uh, good flow. Good job answering the questions. Obviously, you're, you're well prepared for this. And yeah, it was a, it was a joy chat with you. Thanks very much for including me. I feel uh, very special about it. Well, thank you so much. And uh, maybe after summer, we'll have to do this again. Just find out how uh, Summer Camp 2021, if it goes. <laughs> yeah. You betcha. Awesome. Yeah. Um, very good. Very good. Loved it, and uh, yeah, we'll have to actually ca- uh, catch up sometime in the future as well. Yeah, I'd like that a lot. That'd be really good. All right. Well, until awesome. then, have a good Sounds one. Good. Thanks, All right, and uh, All right. yeah, peace. peace. Yep. All bye. right, bye.